You're listening to Simple Reds Radio, episode number 215. And today, we're going to change the way you look at building habits. Welcome to Simple Roots Radio with Alexa Sherm. Alexa believes that simplicity in life is the key to achieving true and lasting health. And now your host, Alexa Sherm. Welcome back to this podcast. As always, my name's Alexa, and this is the place to get healthy, live happy, and find more joy. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing someone who was phenomenal in the field of behavior change and habit formation. What I love so much about this interview is it's not another thing you have to do, but it's about coming back to yourself and understanding who you are and where you want to go. It's like a It's creating a desire and a drive and an enjoyment for the things you do, not a beat your body into submission kind of lifestyle. So today on the show, I have a special guest named BJ Fogg. He is a behavioral scientist and founded the Behavior Design Lab at Stanford University. He's the leading scientific author on habits. And he has a behavior model that I find really helpful and really fascinating and recently released a really great book on habit formation called Tiny Habits. It will completely revamp everything you ever knew about habit formation and the behavioral model behind that. And it really digs into why maybe habit formation has been so difficult in the past and how easy and exciting it actually should be. So I'm honored to have BJ on the show. We're going to break down habit formation, behavior modification, and really how to create behavior that is going to align with where you want to go. So stay tuned for that. But before we get to the show, I don't want you to forget, you can learn all of the information about BJ and today's show over on my blog at simperitswellness.com. They're found in the show notes at simperitswellness.com backslash 215. Yes, all the information on today's show where you can learn more about habit formation, the tiny habits I'm implementing into my own life and how I found success in those as well as where to learn more about BJ over in the show notes. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for my email list. I am almost ready to release another section of my Health Made Simple class, and I am so pumped. The first round was amazing, and people saw amazing results. It wasn't just results in um, this outcome-driven results, but it's a complete transformation in their thought and their view about their body and about health, which completely changes how they walk forward. I teach you in the class not just how to make health another thing you have to do, but how to make it who you are in a personalized and very new way of living in the health space. So if you want to learn more about Health Made Simple, make sure you jump on my email list or just click the button on the homepage to sign up for that waiting list. It is going to be phenomenal and I would love to have you be a part of it. If you feel like you're struggling with your energy or you want to get healthier, you want to lose weight, you want to boost your immune system, regulate your hormones, it's all inside that class. Yes, we break down every system of the body so you have an understanding about how it works, but more importantly, you know how to provide for your body what it needs so it can do the job that it was designed to. Meanwhile, you can use all the extra energy to get out and live your life. It is life-changing, and I don't say that lightly. So again, head on over to the show notes or just my homepage at simperitswellness.com to sign up for that. In the meantime, though, stick around because this interview with BJ Fogg is fascinating and can completely change your view of habit formation and how to overcome your bad habits and create new ones starting today. So let's get right to the show and welcome BJ Fogg. 
BJ Fogg, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here um, and being willing to share your advice and your knowledge. Um, and you just had a book come out not that long ago, and that is what we're going to break down today. So thank you so much for being here. Alexa, thank you for inviting me. Yeah. So uh, you're the first person I think that I've had on scientists that has studied behavior change. I am. Glad. I like being first. Yes. So you run a lab at Stanford, correct? That is a behavior design lab. Is that what you could classify it as? Yep. That's the name of the lab. So what do you do there? And how did you come up with this concept of working through habits and tiny habits? Wow. Okay. I'll be brief. You can follow on with more questions. Mm -hmm. So the lab is, uh, we study how human behavior works and how to change behavior in positive ways. Mm -hmm. That's basically what we do. And so I'll have anywhere from eight to 12 researchers. They're mostly students at Stanford. And we work on projects that interest the lab generally. So we have a project going on how to help people reduce screen time. Uh, We have a project going on training climate change professionals. So they know how to change behavior. Uh, Previous projects include how to emojis change behavior and so on. (laughs) So what's fun about having this kind of lab is you've got smart young people that get to be trained in how to do research and we get to pick projects that we care about. And Mm -hmm. so that's what we do. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like such fun research to really understand the human perspective more. Now, I feel like we kind of live in this day and age where people, uh, just like to hack their life. And I mean that in the best possible way. But on the other flip side, I kind of feel like, I mean, what we know about even just uh, willpower and the act of hacking life, isn't that directly relational to the energy level of the person? So is hacking your behavior really effective? If you do it in the right way, yes. And that's what my book, Tiny Habits, Mm -hmm. is all about. Mm -hmm. The problem is there's so much misinformation out there and traditional ways of changing behavior are not very effective. Mm-hmm. So in general, people have all these notions about how to change the behavior that are mostly wrong or are ineffective or, and I should be saying ands, and they set you up to fail and then you blame yourself and none of that's good. And mm-hmm. that's in some ways what my work in Tiny Habits has been all about. Like here is... The, an easy, fast way to change habits. You can learn the skill of doing this. You can create big changes, even though it's called tiny habits. You can mm. create these big changes. And it's about feeling good, not feeling bad. Feeling bad has no part in the method. Feeling bad is not the way that you create lasting change in the best way. It's by yeah. feeling good. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the feeling bad, I mean, we have a lot of notions in our society, like no pain, no gain, right? It's almost like if it doesn't hurt, does it work? Um, I think that is like an underlying unconscious, maybe even belief amongst people of like, how much can a little thing really change? Because we live in the world of like, go big or go home, completely 180 year life. Why doesn't that work? Well, and, and I was there too. I mean, I grew up in the cult- this culture just like everybody else. Grew up with these beliefs about I can do it. And if I don't do it, it's just like I lacked willpower, motivation or discipline. You know, it's my problem, not a problem with I don't have the right method. Um, the, the problem with so many products and programs and ideas out there about doing big changes 
is that doing something difficult requires high levels of motivation. And that's Mm -hmm. what my behavior model shows. If you want to do something difficult, you can if your motivation is high. But when your motivation drops, then you can't do big things anymore. You only can do tiny Mm -hmm. things. And then, so, you know, if we could keep our motivation very, very high, then we could make these big, hard changes. But the fact is we're human beings and we cannot sustain high levels of motivation. That's just, our motivation goes up and down over time. Or we have competing motivations that come in and compete against the motivation. Oh, I thought I was going to eat this way, but now I'm at a wedding sitting at the front table and I'm, you know, and I'm motivated to not make the bride and groom feel stupid because they serve me the wrong dish or mm-hmm. something. But there's all these different motivation vectors or forces that are going on in our life. So the motivation to eat differently may get swamped out by those, or there's just natural motivation swings. Even during your day, your motivation goes up and mm-hmm. down for things. So recognizing that reality that we don't have superpowers to always keep our motivation high. Tiny Habits is about, okay, this is a method where even on your worst of days, your most challenging of times, you can still do the habit. You can still progress. You can still succeed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are some things that are affecting our motivation outside? I mean, what is is the list that's either inhibiting it or helping it, right? Just life in general. We'll start with Mm -hmm. life, people, your own circadian rhythms. I mean, it's, I mean, the fact that our motivation shifts for different things is actually a good thing. And I have a thought, I have a hypothesis that it's an evolutionary thing. If our ancestors only were motivated, let's say you had high levels of motivation to do everything. Oh, I want to study and I want to strengthen the relationship with my mom and I want to preserve the environment. Your life would be going in so many different directions Mm -hmm. at once. Mm -hmm. I, you'd be doing all of these things. So I, I think our motivation, we're designed to have our motivation shift from thing to thing because we have different hard challenges we need to tackle. Sometimes it's about career. Sometimes it's about relationships. Sometimes it's about um, managing your home. And you can't go every direction mm-hmm. at once. So um, there, and here's what was so surprising mm-hmm. to me. Everyone listening to this, understands that your motivation goes up and down over time. You've experienced it. However, when you look at the scientific, the academic work that's been done on that, there's very, very little work on it. And that phenomenon of motivation going up and down Mm -hmm. had never been named. So in one of my training events with 12 people, I said, here's this thing. We're all familiar with it. We get motivated to connect with people around the Christmas holidays, boom. Beginning of the year, we get motivated to be healthier, boom. February 14th, we get motivated to strengthen our love relationships, and it goes down. Never been, let's name it. And so what we decided, we called it the motivation wave. So number one, it's not been, there's not a ton of literature Mm -hmm. on this. In about 2009, some studies started to emerge in a history of over a hundred years of where this could have been talked about and it's never been named. Yeah. So even though it's so familiar, no name for it and not a history of scientific research around it. Yeah. That's um, really fascinating. So 
if motivation, I mean, I think we all think, oh, we just need to have more motivation or we need more drive, but you're saying this is a wave. So it's equally as good to have high motivation as it is to go through periods where your motivation wanes. Is that, is that unfair well, to say? We just, we just, well, we need to be realistic mm-hmm. that our motivation is not always Right. Okay. Okay. High. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when the motivation is high, then you can do difficult things like, oh, I'm going to learn to cook this, or I'm going to buy this piece uh-huh. of equipment or you know, so you can do hard things, but you set yourself up in a good way to when you're creating new habits. And this is one of the key things in tiny habits is make it so simple that even when your motivation is low, yeah. you can do the new habit. And when it you want to do more, you can, you can always do more, but you don't raise the bar. You put the bar really low and you keep it there. Yeah. And then when you want to do more, you do, and you count that as extra credit. (laughs) You don't raise the bar. So that's totally different than how people normally think about change. Like, oh, I'm going to do more and then more and more. No, you set yourself up to eventually fail. You set the bar low, you keep it there. And when you do more, which you naturally will, you think of your like, wow, that's extra Mm -hmm. credit. Boy, I'm going above and beyond. Boy, I'm the A plus student. So you see it as not, I just met the levels like, man, you knocked it out of the park mm-hmm. again. Good yeah. For you. So to get more motivation, essentially we have to have those wins. Yes. And yes, two things. So that feeling successful, mm-hmm. recognizing that you stuck to your game plan, that you have that success does two things. One, it wires that habit into your brain. So it wires that behavior into your brain. So it becomes a habit. So you have to have the win Number- for it to be wired into your brain. So like, yes, that's yeah. what's, so, yeah. I mean, I think you hear like people are like, oh, just give it six weeks. But if you don't see success in that, then is it not getting wired into your brain? No, mm-hmm. it's not. Um, it, and that's where that's, again, there's so much misinformation yeah, right. out uh-huh. there. There's all this, there's not all this, there's some research out there. This is, oh, habit strength increases the more you repeat the habit. And then people interpret that as causal. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. repeti- it's not. If you look at the research, it's a correlation. Mm-hmm. And it would be very much like saying, and then I'll come back, like I could do research where I could say, oh, the more time people hang out at the gym, the healthier they are. Therefore, hang out at the yeah. gym. And so some, some people might go hang out at the gym at the snack bar, eating snacks the whole time. Like, okay, I'm hanging out. I'm not getting mm-hmm. healthier. So it's not it's not about the correlation. It's what's causing somebody to be healthier. What's causing now at the gym, hanging out of the gym isn't what's causing it. In the same way that when people are uh, working on habits, repetition is not mm. causing it. It's the emotion mm. that people feel mm-hmm. when they do the behavior. It's the emotion that causes your brain to rewire and make that habit more automatic. And like you said about 90 seconds ago, makes you also want mm-hmm. to do it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, one thing that I really love about the tiny habit perspective is the level of enjoyment, because I think often in habit formation, we don't ever hear that. I, I think a lot of what people are trying to do is just a force, right? It's kind of like we're looking yeah. at the bad and we're almost trying to force these things in, thinking that will help. But you're saying that there has to be a level of enjoyment or desire for it to stick. Otherwise yeah. it's almost so much effort that you do fail. And you yeah. lose your motivation. <laughs> you know, in my book, Tiny Habits, 
I address a little bit the issue. Like everybody, you've heard repetition creates Mm -hmm. habits. No, it's not that. But I don't really go there full force because I knew that was going to upset some people, including some Mm -hmm. academic colleagues of mine. And so I say it, but I don't really push Mm -hmm. hard on it. But I will now Mm -hmm. a little bit. If you believe that repetition creates habits, it doesn't. But that's what people are led to believe by blog posts and just the culture. Then you think, oh, I have to change a habit. Therefore, I have to endure suffering Mm -hmm. for 66 days or I have to like, you know, just some, it's going to be painful. Mm -hmm. So it also then the idea that repetition, like you just have to hang in there for 21 days or whatever, that makes people assume that behavior change is painful or it's something to suffer and endure. And it's not, you change best by feeling good. So first of all, pick new habits that you want. Mm -hmm. Don't pick habits you feel like you should have. Pick Like even when it comes to snacking, it's like pick new snacks that you Mm -hmm. like. And that might take some exploration, but find the ones that you like. Pick habits that you want. If you don't want to go to the gym and walk on the treadmill, don't pick that as a new Mm -hmm. habit. Find some exercise that you like doing and that you want to. So number one. And number two, well, there's more than I can actually probably number. But second point is as you do the new behavior, recognize your successes no matter how small and allow yourself to feel good about those successes because it's that feeling that rewires your brain Mm -hmm. and helps you do that automatically. In other words, you don't rely on having to remember or highlight some motivation. It becomes part of your mm-hmm. life. Yeah, yeah, part of your design. So, I mean, I think, mm-hmm. again, just to break down some more myths, I think um, on some level, maybe habit formation is is a thought that it has to move into your unconscious, right? Like it has to be just part of you, but you're saying there has to be a level of consciousness to get there. What, what's the level of like consciousness, yes. unconsciousness? Right. Of- well, let, yeah, let me, I, such a great question. Let me shift consciousness to design. Okay. You can design habits into your life and you can design habits out of mm-hmm. your life. In other words, you can be deliberate about it. And it's not a magical thing. There's a system, there's a process. And that's what mm-hmm. the book Tiny Habits is all about. Here's the system. Here's the system, and it's way easier right. than you thought. <laughs> and and the analogy that's in the book, and I wanted to share this a lot more, but my editors were like, no, too much on this, because uh, we had to keep the book yeah. short, uh, not huge, is think of, think of your set of habits and routines, I'm using those as synonyms, as a garden, a land, so you have an acre of plants and you have grass and you have shrubs and you have trees and all of those are different habits in your life. You can either neglect that garden and just let any weed grow, bad habits, or you can design for mm-hmm. what you want. And that's mm-hmm. the tools, that's, that's the process I'm sharing in Tiny Habits. So think of it, each habit like a little plant um, and you start them small. Even if you want a cherry tree. You don't start with a full-grown cherry tree. You start it smaller and you find where it fits. Where does this new habit fit naturally in my day? Mm-hmm. And then you keep it nurtured and you nurture it by feeling successful through that emotion we mm-hmm. talked about. And so if you understand or if you... Ha- um, and habits really do work very much like mm-hmm. plants. Like 
it, they may not work in one location and you shift them to another location and then it thrives. Yeah. And you start it small and as long as you keep it nurtured, it grows and you don't have to force it to grow. It will just mm-hmm. grow. And the roots, the mapping there is the roots are how automatically, how firmly planted is this habit in your brain and in your life. And the way you get the roots to grow is through feeling mm. good. That's what accelerates the root growth. So hopefully that analogy yeah. to plants and it's like, boom, that's how you mm-hmm. do it. And you don't import a bunch of fully grown oak trees and palm trees and cherry trees and think somehow magically, I'm going to pick the right spot and I'm going to keep them nurtured. All those, most of those trees are mm-hmm. going to die. Uh, and so the way to do in a garden successfully is start small, find where it fits, keep it nurtured. And last point, evolve it over mm-hmm. time. There's going to be habits that no longer serve you. Let them mm-hmm. go. There'll be habits that aren't working in the spot. Find a new spot. So think of it as your, your set of habits as this thing that you evolve and you change as the seasons change, as you change, as your needs change. Um, and that I think makes it, well, it's how right. it really works, but I think it makes it, it's almost like you're creating this thing and you keep recreating mm-hmm. it and reinventing it and make it what you want, yeah. what you want. I think, it, I mean, it's, it's such a great analogy and I love the seasonality component. We talk about that so much here, so it's going to resonate, but I think we often think about our life as being so static. You know, I think people are just constantly working and thinking behavior change must look like perfection and it must stay that way. Mm-hmm. And really that's not how anything in life works. No. Um, and I love the concept that you have to be willing to evolve these because that's real yeah. life. And so just going back to the point on that, what does that look like? You know, I think people think of like habits, this is something I want to do. And it's kind of a hard and fast. I think we're a very hard and fast society of like, this is it. This is what I'm going to stick to. But how do you get someone to transition their mind to say like, okay, this might be it now, but this isn't going to be it forever. Well, you know, habit, um, behavior changes a set of skills. And I map out those skills in tiny habits. And one of those skills is to have the mindset of I'm going to practice and I'm going to revise this. In other words, you get away from the perfection mindset and you understand there's going to be twists and turns, that it's a process. So just having that uh, going from, and I grew up very much in a culture and a household that was all about being perfect. So I struggled with that to where you look at I'm going to call them mistakes, but not in a negative way. They're indicators of, oh, this habit is not thriving here. Let me move it to another mm-hmm. spot. And you get good at recognizing what's mm-hmm. not working and then redesigning mm-hmm. it. So in Tiny Habits, I talk over and over. It's like practice and revise. So don't delay. Don't, don't think you're practicing mm-hmm. and just dive right in and then revise. Revision is part of the method. Um, because nobody is perfect mm-hmm. at this. And, and in some ways, you don't even want right. to be perfect. You want to discover what works for you because mm-hmm. that's part of the skill. That's part of the capacity. And it feels here's what it feels like. And we can get in the nitty-gritty of how to get started. But let me tell you what it feels like. Um, maybe once upon a time, somebody who, oh, I'll pick a bike analogy, uh, wanted to ride a bike and it felt very complicated and scary. 
And so you get started, you learn some skills, and eventually you're riding the bike. Now, if you want to ride your bike to the park, you don't even think about it. You just get on the bike and you go to the park. Easy. Same thing with creating and changing habits. At the beginning, it may seem Mm -hmm. scary and hard and you procrastinate it and you're worried about it. But as you learn the skills, then it's like, oh, I need this new habit. Mm -hmm. Bam! It's like, you just get on and you go from point A to point B and it's done. Now, it's not to say it's always perfect, but there's no agonizing over it. There's no real fear around it. There's no sense of, uh, will I succeed? What if I don't succeed? It's like, you just get on and ride Mm -hmm. because you have those skills. And that is a lot of tiny habits, and especially the free five-day program is about teaching you those skills. We don't call them skills in the program because I think that might scare people away. We just have people (laughs) do stuff. But then, and I point this out in the book, then you look back and Mm. it's like, oh, now you have the skill of making it Mm -hmm. tiny. You have the skill of figuring out where to put it. You have the skill of revising if it's not working. You have the skill of helping yourself feel successful, setting the bar low, and so on. There's 20 some odd skills that I've Mm. mapped out that relate to behavior change. Yeah. Yeah. And those are really beneficial. And before we get into like, okay, how do we get started with this? My, my last question as it relates to this whole behavior change model and just habits is do bad habits or habits we want to break, do those just naturally weed themselves out as you focus on these tiny habits and creating them? Like, do you believe the bad will just kind of get rid of itself or do we have to put any emphasis there? Yeah, what we call bad habits is a more complicated landscape. Mm. Some of them will get naturally get pushed out by positive mm-hmm. habits. Just like if you plant certain plants, they'll overtake yeah. the weeds. Some, Sometimes. <laughs> some of them you have, um, but in many cases for pers- you know, for th- people think about as bad habits, um, there is a process for removing them. And it's different for different types of habits. And so I have a a chapter where I talk about this and then the appendix where I think it really happens. There are three pages of flowcharts that map out step by step by step. How do you not break the bad habit, but how do you untangle it? And I'm trying to change the language around that. Breaking sets up the wrong idea. It means with one moment of time, I'm going to be able to stop this habit. And that's not how it works. You untangle it. You take aspects of it. Let's take snacking. Let's say somebody says, oh, I need to break the habit of snacking. Well, it's not just probably one snacking. You might uh, snack on your morning break. You might snack on your afternoon break. You might snack after dinner. You might snack at three in the morning. Those are all different tangles in this knot, this overall thing we call you know, snacking. And what you do, and I'll just, there's a more specific step-by-step process I share in the book, but essentially you find the easiest tangle, the easiest snacking behavior, and you unwind that one. You start with the easiest, just like with a phone cord that's all tangled up. You don't go, you don't imagine you could just yank on the phone cord and it becomes untangled and you don't go to the hardest tangle. You go to the easiest one and then you go to the next easiest one. And then pretty soon you're able to untangle all of it. And And that's the same way to look at these behaviors that we often call bad habits is it's a process of untangling. You might be really intimidated at the start, just like when you pull the phone cord out of your bag and it's all, all knotted up. You just go, oh my gosh. But you know if you start with the easiest one and the next one, you'll get there. So I want to talk about building simple habits and 
the concept of how this happens, because like you said, like weeding out happens with the very simple first, right? The easiest one, which is kind of the start of simple habits. Are there specific habits in our life that we should focus on first? Or is that very personal? Well, well, I'm interested in what you have to say in the nutrition space. Mm. My amateur view, and I'm not entirely amateur, but I'm not a pro in the Mm -hmm. nutrition space like you are. But if a friend came to me, so I wouldn't do this as a professional because yes, I'm a behavior change expert and there's things I study and there's things that, you know, I run research around. But if a friend came to me and said, Hey, I want to eat differently. I would say, start with snacking, Mm -hmm. start with snacking and develop, find snacks you love and turn those into the habit. Mm -hmm. So let's say, let's say you really like, I'll use a personal one. I figured out I like cauliflower. Mm. I don't know why, but I do. Mm -hmm. So then I made it really easy to eat cauliflower as a snack. I just prepare, you know, wash it, prepare it, have it ready to go. And then I also found that I like mustard on it. (laughs) And so develop good snacking habits and then go to those rather than the bad Mm -hmm. snacks as you can. Mm -hmm. And then the next step, again, my personal opinion would be, and focus on breakfast. Mm-hmm. Figure out a healthy breakfast that you like and in my view that you can essentially repeat so you don't do all these creative breakfasts. You have a few that are super healthy for you and you love them and you make that habit. And those would be the starting points from my amateur perspective. But notice you're starting with easier things and you're starting you're focusing yeah. on new habits that you want. Yeah. 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 So you mentioned breakfast and I've always heard how you start your day is how you finish your day. I don't know if that's really research to back that up, but do you feel like there is an aspect of if you work on habits that are done more in the morning, these habits, I mean, like what they would consider like these cornerstone habits, right? Snowball into other things throughout the day. Like are these tiny habits turning into bigger habits? Yeah. So so it was probably 2008 in my Stanford class. I had all my students write down their habits throughout the day. Mm. And what I saw right away in looking at their papers uh, this is back in the day when they actually turned in physical papers, is they had most of their habits, or maybe not most, so many of those habits happened in the morning and that faded away and there were some evening habits. And that just turned me into like, oh, morning is the place where we have most of our habits. Then in teaching tiny habits in the free five-day program, and I've taught, I say over 40,000 people, it's more like 60,000 people. I saw that people creating habits in the morning were much more successful than creating them, say, afternoon or evening. So we're already more routinized in the morning, and it's easier to create habits in the morning. And to your point, succeeding early in our day builds momentum Mm. to succeed later. So morning, Mm -hmm. morning is a great time, even though you might be busy. Tiny habits are just like really tiny, simple things you can do. Mm -hmm. Morning is the time to focus on really figure out what are the habits that I do in the morning and just really figuring that out and then also evolving it Mm -hmm. over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Focus on mornings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really good. So, I mean, you've given us so many points as it relates to this and you have an entire behavior change model, right? Is it, Mm -hmm. what, what do you, it's called fog? What's Fog it? behavior model is like foundational and from there you can expand it in many ways. So just before we kind of wrap up this podcast and we encourage people to go out and get the book and start making these tiny changes, 
can you give us more, like there's motivation involved. What are the other elements of that behavior change? So yeah, it turns out that behavior is not mysterious. And Mm. in 2007, (laughs) the pieces came together for me that behavior Mm. happens when three things come together at the same time, just three things. Motivation to do that behavior has, that you do has motivation to build a prompt. Every behavior you're not doing is lacking one or more of those items. So with Mm. that insight, then it's like, oh, how do we change choices? How do we stop habits? How do we get habits to go? So then you know that if you want to design something out of your life, remove the prompt or make it harder to do or remove motivation. And if you want to design habits into your life, motivation, pick habits you want, ability, make it really easy to do, and then Mm -hmm. prompt, find what it comes after. So you use brushing to prompt you to floss. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You use um, uh, starting the coffee maker, let's say, something you already do, as your prompt to open your to-do list. So I've taken my behavior model and I've hacked that to create the tiny habits method. So there's a direct connection. Mm -hmm. And I love the ability component because I think so often we just hear what we should be doing. And so we go and do it. And it's not always in our ability sometimes Mm -hmm. to do what someone else is doing. Like it takes it and makes it very personal to you and, you know, person to person, which is really important. Yeah. So in the book, I only prescribe one habit, which is Mm -hmm. what I call the Maui habit. I think it's on like page seven. The rest of the book is how to create any habit Mm -hmm. you want or entangle bad habits. Mm -hmm. And I don't say do this, do this. Here's the habit you must have because our lives are so individual. And I want to teach people a method to create any habit they want. And that's the focus. Mm -hmm. But in the back of the book, there are 300 recipes. Uh, It's it's how you can design into your life. So in the back, in the appendix, I wanted to put a thousand. And then my publisher came back to me to this like 60 pages. We're not putting 60 (laughs) pages. One sentence recipes in the book. And he said, well, and it's like tiny habits for busy moms, tiny habits mm-hmm. for dads that work at home, tiny habits for managers, tiny mm-hmm. habits for caregivers, tiny habits. And so I've categorized them into these areas of life that people care about. I did research to figure out which categories. Mm-hmm. So there are 15 categories. And with each of those, there's 20 tiny habit recipes. And so together, uh, there are 300 recipes in the back. So, so I do make a lot of suggestions back there, but the book's really about Take anything you aspire to, any grand ambition you have, and you can break it down into habits and you can wire those habits in. Mm, Yeah, yeah. BJ, this is so good and so enlightening. And I feel like it is like that breath of fresh air. Sometimes Mm. I feel like in the world of behavior change, it almost becomes more stressful than it is good. Mm. Um, You know, past models. And this is just... It's almost freeing to recognize that these are just these little things that you should enjoy. And that's how it gets solidified in your brain. And it's not this just kind of what I call in the health space, beating your body into submission. It's really working with your body and loving your body and respecting your body to make that change. And that's what I've loved the most about this book is it really creates so much freedom. Well, and I get emails to that effect now. I mean, I did during the five-day program. So I've taught the five-day program since 2011, week after week after week after week. And I don't get paid for this. I just do Mm -hmm. it because it helps others. And now I'm getting 
you know, emails, people that have read the book, like, oh my gosh, BJ, you've changed my life. And yeah, they talk about it. I'm now liberated. I'm free. I'm free from the self trash talk. I'm free from beating myself up that inner chatter in my head. I now know how to transform that to be a positive um, dialogue. And it just, it's so exciting to share this. And it's not as hard as people think. Once you, once you see it from the right perspective and given the basic set of tools, you can apply those quite easily in your life. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So my last question is what's the last piece of advice you want to leave us with? Like one thing that you want people to take home and just really start to focus on as it comes, as it comes to behavior change and habit formation. I'm going to give three. One, don't delay, just start, just Mm -hmm. start. Two, and then I have two overriding, two sentences. I call them maxims. Mm -hmm. You don't remember anything else from this podcast. If you book, if you don't do the five-day program, remember these two things. One, help yourself do what you Mm. already want to do. Yeah. Two, help yourself feel successful. Those are the keys. Any product or program you do to change, it must do those two things. It has to help you do what you already want to do. It should help you feel successful. If it does those things, you're on your way. If it misses either one, it's not going to work in the long term. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Help yourself. Um, so where can we learn more about you and what you do and finding your book online? Of course, I'm going to link all of this up in the show notes, but we would love to follow you um, and your work. Yep. I think I like threes. One, of course, you can learn more about tiny habits at tinyhabits.com. Um, a lot of resources there. Uh, you can learn about me more generally. I don't know why you'd want to do that, (laughs) but you can at bjfog.com. And then three, which is new, I have gotten Audible to take the preface of my audiobook, which I narrate, and put it before the paywall. So if you go to the page of my book on Audible, you can listen to my 15-minute preface. That's only for the audiobook. It's not in the print book Mm. where I share my struggle with my speaking voice, because I had a voice disability, Mm. and how that maps to what I'm sharing in the book. So... People really, really like the preface. So I got Audible to bring it forward and you can just go click and listen to the whole thing. Um, so if you feel like you can't afford the book right now, at least go listen to the preface. It's free. And there's yeah. a whole bunch of other resources I have that are free. Yeah. And I just want to like make a claim that Audible is a really great thing because people struggle with time and Audible allows you to listen to books like this on the go. So I mean, I'm not even sponsored by Audible, but I really love that (laughs) aspect too, where you can gain a lot of knowledge like this without having to make the habit of even reading, right? Because that's not even in the scope of of some people's desire. So anyways, you can find all that information over in the show notes. I'll make sure and link all this up. I appreciate you being here and sharing your knowledge and what you're learning. It's fascinating work and I can't wait to see um, what you uncover in the future. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Alexa. I mean, don't you love the concept of tiny habits? It falls right in line with everything that I believe, that it's not about beating your body into submission or hating yourself healthy or hating all these things that you have to do, creating more stress in your life, which is actually causing more problems. Instead, habit formation and transforming your life and your behavior has to fall in line with things that you enjoy, creating motivation, and also aligning with your ability. 
This is all in BJ Fogg's behavior model, which is really what I think is foundational in creating lasting change that sticks. So I hope you love this podcast. I hope you found it um, informative and you can take something away and start doing it today. Remember, just one tiny habit that sets the bar so low that even on the days when you don't have energy or you don't have motivation, you can achieve it. Because remember, habit formation is built out of your success and your enjoyment. So start there. Pick one thing, one little thing that you can do and start building on your habits from there. Also, don't forget to pick up a copy of BJ's book, Tiny Habits, wherever books are sold. And also, like he mentioned, Audible has a really great intro to that that is completely free. So if you don't have the income to buy the book right now, go listen to that preface about that book and listen to his story about where Tiny Habits were born. It is really great and worth the listen. Okay, that's it for today's show. Don't forget to head to the show notes at simperitswellness.com backslash 215 to learn more about today's show and find all of the resources. Also, while you're over there, don't forget to sign up for Health Made Simple. There is a limited number of spots and I want you to get involved because it will completely change your view of health and your life in general. Totally worth it. I can't express that enough. And we get to work one-on-one together to go through this. Okay, that's it for today's show. Don't forget to share this with your friends and family. Take a screenshot, share it on social media. Tell other people about this life-changing message of not just living for health, but using health to live your life. In the meantime, I will be back here next week with another interview, which we're gonna do all month long before we walk ourselves into the energy series. I feel like I need some kind of intro music that's like super pumped up because it is going to be my favorite series I've ever done. And I cannot wait to dive in. That's going to happen all summer long. And it's mostly solo shows by me. So yes, you're going to hear my voice a lot. That's why I thought I'd mix things up with a few interviews before I'm just solo taking over the podcast for the summer. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I have a lot of great information to share. And I hope that it completely transforms your view of health and really changes your health without making you a slave to it. Okay, that's it for today. I'm headed out. Have a great rest of the week and I will be back on next week with another interview talking about essential oils and aromatherapy, something I haven't dove into a lot. Um, Yeah, anyways, you're gonna wanna stay tuned for that. Okay, that's it for today. I will see you back here next week.